0: You're listening to the Lean Built Podcast. I'm Jay. And I'm Andrew. In this
1: podcast, we discuss our manufacturing companies, lean principles,
0: and the freedom that we're pursuing in life and business.
1: So Jay, we had a very exciting, busy Black Friday, Small Business Saturday, Cyber Monday. And we had come into that with our inventory levels actually being lower than average. We had a number of employees out sick in the two weeks before Thanksgiving. And that meant that not only did we not get to build any extra inventory to give us some buffer for the heavy sales weekend, we actually came in with several important SKUs below our recommended inventory level. So we were starting the race on an eighth of a tank on -hmm. that weekend. And I'm alive. I'm fine. The shop is fine. Nobody had a nervous breakdown in there, nothing caught on fire. But certainly we shipped almost double the volume on that Monday that we've ever shipped in any single day before. Wow. And one of the major changes we made was in prep for that, we actually set up an entire second packaging line, packaging station, a complete duplicate of the first, but on a wheeled table Mm -hmm. so that we could roll it in and set it up as an auxiliary line so that one person could pick orders and two people could be packing. Because picking is a lot faster than packaging, it always is.
0: Mm-hmm. No, and wait,
1: uh, to say packaging, is that packaging and labeling? That's taking finished retail product, printing a label, folding up a packing slip, adding swag stickers, putting it in a padded mailer or a box and taping it up and getting it into the outbound bin. Okay, copy. So the person who's picking just scans a packing slip, scans items off the shelf into a pick bin, and then drops it on a roller conveyor. And that roller conveyor feeds it to the people who are packaging and It seems like about a two-to-one ratio balances pretty well where one person can pick enough orders to keep two packing stations continuously engaged. And so we ran our shipping cell with three employees instead of the usual two, and it worked well. It was humming the whole day, but we ended up running into a lot of back orders. And what's funny about that is, in principle, back orders are not good but they also allow you to operate with the total clarity of this is absolutely in demand. In no way is this excess inventory to stock on the shelf. This is not speculative. This is not a projection based on sales velocity. This is, I have 22 orders for this item on my desk, and I have two units on the shelf. We need to make more of this right now. And what we ended up doing was a lot of physical visual management. The fastest way for me to keep track of what was actually most needed was by setting up an entire table and just sorting any packing slips that couldn't be filled. And my staff was really good at, as soon as they recognized an out of stock item, they would quickly, anytime it showed up on a packing slip, they wouldn't even start picking that order. They just set it aside. So I was dealing with a nice clean stack of paper of stuff that had an unpickable item in it. The, this Glock 19 was out of stock. And then they would hand me all the packing slips that included that skew. Mm-hmm. And so I was putting them out on a table and prioritizing them based on how thick the stack is and using that to trigger jobs in production to build more units of that thing immediately and get them into stock in at least a quantity big enough to clear the back order. So if our normal production batch for a holster might be 40 units at a time. If we run out of stock and have nine back orders, and there are several other items that are also back ordered, I definitely do not want to waste the time today making 40. I want to make 12, 15, 15. Just and then leave time. the rest of that order as a partial, rest of that production run as a partial, stall it on the shelf. We actually rolled out some extra wire racks So we had temporary work in process storage that we don't normally have in the production floor, just so that we could partialize a bin, split it, pull part of it forward all the way to completion, put it into inventory, ship those back orders, and have the rest of the job stay in queue right where it was ready to go into the next step. Rather than taking them all and sticking them somewhere else, we built temporary buffer storage for WIP throughout the shop just to manage all those partial orders. And we don't normally do a lot of partial orders. That's Typically, partial orders are a result of some kind of inventory issue where you have to accelerate part of it. You have to expedite it. And ideally, that's not what we want to do. We want to have enough to never bottom out, but not so much that we run the risks that excess inventory brings. Risks Look, of obsolescence, damaged inventory, product updates, all kinds of things can happen when you have excess inventory
0: let me pause really quick and inject some like lean principles here so when i've either done a tour or oh gosh what would be oh like a a snarky youtube comment someone that is a casual observer but not participant in lean will say hey looks like you got a lot of inventory but lean never says that inventory is bad it's excess inventory so By you running out of stuff that may have been appropriate for your normal course of business, you dropped below a normal appropriate amount of inventory because of people were out due to illness prior to a big event. But what you don't want to do, you being a lean practitioner, would be to create excess inventory just because the machine set up, well, we could got a great price on material. The guy's here, he's healthy
1: let's just double the quantity. You don't want to do that. It's right. not
0: inventory, it's excess inventory,
1: but continue. Yeah. And even the way we talk about the jobs when we run into backorders, as far as the customer's concerned, backorders don't exist. Unless the only kinds of things that we actually set inventory levels on the website, where the website will then show the product as out of stock, are things that we contain components we have to buy in. So there are some things that we sell in kits where we make a third of the stuff in the kit and the other components are all purchased components. If we run out of those, I want that to be shown as out of stock on the website because we can't make that in-house today and restock it. But a lot of our make items, as long as we have the raw materials in inventory, we can make the complete unit, retail packaged and everything on the spot today and put it back in stock. Incredible. And so for those, we don't even set an inventory level. We simply mark them as in stock on the website. And we allow them to sell and sell and sell and sell. And if we run out of units on the shelf, we allow them to continue to sell because we will have more units done and have that back order cleared, usually within 24 hours. And so the customer doesn't have to deal with the hassle of, oh, I want to order that and I want to order this, but that one thing is back ordered. They can just buy it, put it in the cart, order it, and a day later it ships. Mm-hmm. And they have no idea whether they got one that was already on the shelf. Or they got one that was made on demand as a result of their order. Yep. And that works Great. That works really well, but it is very energy and attention intensive in the shop when you are trying to zig and zag that quickly from job to job to make sure that all the back orders clear and that the customers do not end up waiting. But you've built out a, a production system that really
0: embraces the lean technical term we don't really use around the shop would be SMED. SMED, yep. single minute exchange of dies, developed by Toyota that says, hey, we got to switch over things. We don't want a three-day setup. We want three-minute setup, that type of yep. thing. And you've prioritized that, so you can
1: switch certainly quickly. On the production side, we can change over jobs at our CNC very, very quickly. And almost all of our assembly stations are standardized so that they have all the components that all of our standard builds include. And then you just pull bins out and make them active. You, know, you, you take them off the rack at your station, put them on the table in front of you, use those parts, and then put them back on the rack. So for a lot of our stations, there's literally no changeover. It's just Mm -hmm. a workbench with a row of hardware, and the parts come in, you slide out the appropriate bins, you build the component, you slide the bins back, and you pass the parts along. So yeah, we can change from job to job to job basically on a dime. And the employees did a really great job. I was incredibly proud of our team. We made a lot of orders that were backordered same day and still clear the backorders by the end of the day that day. That's awesome. And we did that consistently every day mm-hmm. that entire week because we did not have enough time to actually replenish our minimum inventory levels. We were resetting to positive numbers every time, but not large positive numbers. Like if we mm-hmm. had 25 units or something backordered, we would build 30 because in the course of the afternoon while we're building that 30, probably five more are going to sell. And I don't want to be aiming at where the problem was. I want to be aiming at where the problem is going to be when we finish the batch. But a number of units, a number of SKUs went out of stock multiple days in a row where we built a batch of that thing every day of the week and sold 100% of those units each day, Yeah, which is awesome. And what I kept saying to the employees as I'm walking around coordinating all this is it's good to be in demand. Mm -hmm. This is pull. This is what pull feels like. Yeah. It's a little bit intense. It's heavy pull, but this is what pull feels like. There's demand for our inventory. It needs to go out the door. People are paying for it. They want it. We need to make it. We need to make it to our standard level of quality. We're cutting no corners. We're skipping no steps. We're not rushing, but we're also not doing any non-priority work of any kind today.
0: You know, that speech that I gave it, it went live maybe a week and a half ago. So in that speech, I, I opened with peace, which is something that I talk on a personal level with the guys in the shop about it. This is not the most peace-inducing product process, I shouldn't say product process, mindset, anything like that. What is something that we can do that makes us more peaceful, which means peace is like a catch-all that there's, it's easy to set up, it's easy to produce, it's easy to hit our tolerances. It's not strenuous. We're not doing big numbers. It's an all encompassing, encapsulating principle. And so when I hear you talk about that, like there's times where, you know, we hustle, we hustle hard. Like, for example, we just got the largest single PO in the company's history a couple of days ago. Awesome. And we had about half of the inventory on the shelves. And this is an aerospace company. They're like, hey, we need this ASAP. Great. And so you kind of felt like a wave of, stress come across the shop because it would be from our engineer to our shipping guy you got to get all the parts the components not just the components that go into the product but like the boxes and the tape make sure we're not going to run out of boxes when we're ready to ship that type of thing just kind of like do like a quick once over almost like an audit do we have everything and that's i've heard paul acres say that's keeping the rope tight there should not be any slack Always be like moving forward. Did it feel like that? Did it feel like okay? This is an anomaly. This is a Black Friday Cyber Monday thing. Uh, the well, stress level, the workload goes up. Did it feel stressful? Like how would you it categorize? Required that?
1: a lot of energy, but it's game day. Yeah, there you we go. We practice, that, we practice, we practice, we practice. We train, we train, we refine, we refine, we rework our processes and improve them. And then it's game day. And on game day, you have to show up on the court and deliver cold yeah. on demand. Yep. And if the processes are weak, when you double your throughput Mm -hmm. of shipped orders in a day, if you've got processes that were held together with duct tape, band-aids, and zip ties, they break. And you find out real fast, hey, there's a big problem here, or that is not reliable, or there's too many possible variations here. Or in several cases, we're like, hey, our documentation on this part is incomplete. Cause somebody came to me and it's like, I need to do this next thing. And I can't find the answer. It's not in the documentation. I'm like, well, it should be. And we go look and sure enough, the answer to that question was not in the documentation. We yeah. missed something. And mm-hmm. you find those things out when you stress test the whole system. Yeah. So I slept well cause I was ripped <laughs> all week. That, that's a great test. Did I sleep well that night? Yeah. yeah. There could easily be, if I'd lost my confidence that we were shipping good units if it was essentially, we turned off all the safeties, we took away all the guardrails, and we just drove this thing like Mad Max for a week, and all of our normal QC got skipped, and we're just throwing units out the door as fast as we can, then I wouldn't sleep well. Yep. Because that's always going to boomerang back and bite you. It's going to cause problems. You're going to end up with unhappy customers. You're going to end up with defective units shipping. Yeah. I want to highlight
0: one more thing that you did.
1: Gosh, I, we put out a lot of content, but I don't,
0: I don't think I've mentioned this. I, at least I can't remember where we've got everything on wheels, and, unless it's a machine, which is a monument. It doesn't move, move often, like we're going to move a machine in a couple of weeks here. So, one of the things that I say is, you know, we want the environment to adapt to us, the way we work, the way we want to work, and how we work is outlined in an order of principles, starting with the eight wastes and uh, that's why we have things on carts like we if we're going between two machines we want to work in u-shaped cells but there's a linear cell that has to occur there i don't want to face the door of a machine take four steps back ten steps to the side four steps forward to the next adjacent machine i want to move everything in between those so i'm moving in a straight line not a u-shaped line and suddenly that u-shaped cell at one machine becomes a wider u-shaped cell between two machines and that was neat that you had like your temporary solution where you it sounds like you moved an extra person over into the shipping area and you also configured the area so that it could just happen it's a surge event and so your environment then adapted to the task at hand it didn't get in the way it facilitated the way
1: Right. And the particular place where I set up my little mobile workstation, there were two key things I was looking at. There is at the, when parts flow through production, there's a final QC shelf. There's a staging area where things, I have to get a separate person to check them before they can enter the inventory shipping area. It's a hard line. Stuff doesn't just get carried from here to there. Stuff goes to this rack. And then another person has to check into the ERP open a certain number of units, double check that they're correct, confirm the count, and check those parts in the inventory. And I positioned my bench, my table, and my little workstation where I could, at a glance, see we had a little wall hanger that we put on one of our racks, a, a document holder that the shipping staff would drop back orders in. So I could see, without getting up and walking anywhere, I could see if there were any back orders that they had just pulled out. Mm-hmm. And I could also look the other direction into Bay three and see are there any finished units on the shelf waiting for QC to enter inventory? And so 10 steps in one direction, 15 steps in the other direction, I can get up and go collect back orders, or I can get and I can get into Bay three. If there isn't somebody there ready to QC those parts immediately, I can just step over there, walk into the ERP for that step, QC the parts, and then start putting them back into the inventory and clear some back orders. So, I wanted to sit where I could, without having to get up, see exactly what was going on in both those two key places. Those were my Kanbons. Are there units that need to be inspected to enter inventory? Are there back orders that need to be sorted and prioritized? And I could go either of those places. And throughout the week, I added more and more stuff to my little mobile station because I was printing job travelers to initiate production. And the closest printer was 20 steps away. So, I actually grabbed a spare printer. I had uh, my guy Brian install an extra shelf underneath my cart so I could put in a power strip and a laser printer and a powered document folder so I could print off pack I could print off job travelers and trifold them without getting up at all for my station I could be sitting there monitoring what's happening seeing what's leaving making sure the pace is staying up I could be on my computer handling customer service looking at inventory levels and anytime I need to print anything I have to walk nowhere. It's just, boom, it prints right there where I can grab it. Yeah, love it. That was awesome. And I enjoyed it. I mean, it made such a difference. If I had been trying to manage that work while sitting in my office, because that's where my printer was, where I can't see the shipping area and I can't see the assembly floor at all, my office is in the front office part of the building, it would not have worked at all. I would have consistently missed things that I needed to take action on immediately. Mm Mm-hmm. So get a load of this,
0: that, that big PO we got, it's an aerospace company and they're about an cu- uh, hour and a half, two hours away. So I sent our main tech sport guy, Carlos, you, I don't know if you've talked to him before, but if yep. you've called in in tech sport line, he's the first up to answer. So Carlos went down this facility because we wanted to make sure that they were set up right. It was a large first order and it was a, like a triple the size of the second order, I believe. Once they had proven the first order, okay, the vacuum system's going to work great. He goes down there and he's like, man, you should see this facility. So it's got startup money. I don't want to go into what they're making, but one of the things that they're doing is they are very much, I don't know, like industry, what are we on? Like 4.0 or something like that. It's almost, it's something. Okay. But this is not related to that. It's almost like the mentality. Industry Z. Yeah. There you go. (laughs) So they are making because they're in startup mode and because there is a very high priority on speed which in my company speed is the fourth most important thing after safety quality and simplicity they prioritize speed so one of the things that i don't think they've publicly said it they're not really speaking about it but they've got this huge huge building i think it's an old hughes aircraft building or something and he it Hughes had
1: Howard Hughes.
0: Howard Hughes. Yeah. Uh-huh. So it's down in Long Beach. Exactly. So they had this building that it had front offices, which all throughout history, there's always been the quote unquote front office. That's where all the executives sit. So what they've done is they have underutilized that intentionally and they have decentralized the office working area. And out on the shop floor, Carlos said that when he was walking around, They had all these temporary offices set up, but they're called office pods. That's a general category. And they look like little spaceships. And uh, here I pulled up, I'm not plugging anyone, but there's a soundboxacoustic.com. There's some different companies. If you just Google office pod.
1: Silence booths.
0: Yeah, Silence Booth, Zen Booth is another, think tanks, a bunch of companies making these, a bunch in Europe, and they look very European, Scandinavian. So, what they've done is they've taken the engineering teams, the production teams, like the manufacturing engineers, the machinists, all the people on the labor floor, and they've populated those areas where they need the most intensive amount of manpower. And they literally move these little offices around. Like most of them are like eight by eight square, six by yep. eight. They even have ones that are phone booth size. So when they need to talk to an engineer at a different location that's in Los Angeles and they're in Long Beach about an hour away, one of the guys on the shop floor that is running one of the machines will pop into one of these single man booths that lowers the decibels by 30 decibels, something like that. They pop in, they make their phone call. Carlos said that as he was walking around he'd see like two or three people, They're looking at a screen. They're on a Zoom call with three other people. And I thought, man, first of all, the kid in me is like, that looks cool. I just want it. JWI, (laughs) Jay wants it. But the other thing is we have this new assembly room that has, it's almost, it'll be next time we podcast, it'll be complete. And it's really a culmination of like, how can we most efficiently assemble things to get higher quality, more simplicity, and certainly speed is a factor. Like, why not? go for speed, but it can't, the safety is not really an issue when you're doing assembly is inherently not unsafe quality and simplicity. But on top of it, we have this storage area that's, I can't remember the weight rating, but you can put a lot of weight on this building. Like it was supposed to have a a lid, a ceiling, they call it lid. That's what my contractor calls it. A lid that's had like 24 inch spacings on the joists and he said well we could really beef it up and go 18. i said what if you go 12. he said even beefier let's do 12. find out what the engineer will will rate it as so we did and so right now i'm seriously looking at one of these little office pods to put up there and this one company i was looking at it's forklift movable it has forklift spots where you just drive the forklift in lift it up and carlos said At one point, they were moving a pod over to a different area because they're on to the next large component in this company. And and then he said he went back a few days later and they moved them all around. They're moving them daily and they have these long extension cords and ethernet cords or I don't know what's in these cords, but they go to the ceiling or something. And it's just this little self-contained like brain capsule. So I'm seriously looking at those. I'd like to have one. By the natural light side of our building, which has windows and it's south facing. So you get lots of natural sun sunlight. These office pods, two of the sides, the left and right are glass. So you get light going through them. And then if I really need to go like deep work, do not disturb, we'll just fork it up onto the assembly room deck and just pop it up there. And then I'll have a bird's eye view of the shot. Everyone knows that if I'm up there, I'm in like deep focus mode, designing products, engaging in different transactions. So I thought that was really neat. It's an easy way to deploy usable, necessary office space without having to deal with contractors because I'm just done with dealing with different contractors and subcontractors and their inefficiencies and just the pain of going through a simple four-wall room that is roughly 18 by 50. And it took months. Like I printed this poster, it said coming summer 2023, and we're almost in winter. Just delay after delay after delay. And it's just, yeah, I'm over it. And so when I look at one of these little pods, I can order it within two to three weeks. It shows up They're maybe in the low to mid teens as far as cost, Mm -hmm. but they're beautiful. They're done and they are mobile. I think I'm definitely going to trigger one of these.
1: What's that? They don't require a building permit of any kind. That's right. That's right. Yeah. I'm really excited about that. One other thing, I
0: don't know if we yeah, we did talk about this. So we I, I had talked about my hesitancies of putting this thing called credit key on our website. Yeah. Man, I feel like we've struck gold with it. It's incredible because we just put it on, didn't really announce it. It was in one of our customer emails. Hey, by the way, we now accept credit key. And I really haven't done like a sales pitch, like why you would want to do this basically to protect cash flow yeah. to get the benefits now and you can slow play the integration without having to come up with the money, it's not a big risk. But no, we've had several orders and it's just been like one of those things that I think my dad was right because he advised me, Jay, you're in a different mindset than you were 15, 20 years ago. Companies, small companies, when they're trying to get off the ground, they have a vision. They are confident and capable. They just need a little bit of time and more money, but they they want to buy into your vision, your products now. So I've been thrilled at how well credit is Key has done. We've done about, uh, I want to say, a dozen transactions in the first month and they're higher dollar and it's just so seamless. And uh, yeah, I just, I kind of want to soft plug them if people are selling higher dollar items to meet the needs of people that believe in your
1: product and want to preserve cash. Really thrilled about that. I'm doing a lot of thinking right now about our end of year finances, which means we're in spend mode. That for us means any tooling we're going to need in the near future, any work holding we're going to need in the near future. We're getting ready to install through spindle coolant on one of our machines that doesn't currently have it. So we're buying the pumps for that. And it's a chance at the end of the year, like, okay, well, I've got some cash. And if there's work, I need that cash to do for me. If I do it now, as opposed to two months from now, I get some benefit and will actually, it, it helps me get across the finish line on things that I've been wanting to do that may not have a hard deadline. I don't absolutely have to have this done by January 1, but we could start using it as soon as it's finished. And if I give myself, in essence, an artificial deadline, and we're going to have this done by this date, it will get done. And then we have the benefit of using it. And so we upgraded our parking lot. We had some some landscaping work done, some regrading and uh, some more drainage on the property. And then had our gravel parking lot expanded. So we have more room to park cars behind the building, which is really nice. It keeps the employees from having to walk as far if the weather's nasty outside. And there's just a bunch of things we're upgrading around the shop because I understand the desire to preserve cash, but also when it just sits, it's not doing any work for me. That's right. That's so true. Yep. Even if you're like I park, oh, it's a a accounting
0: term retained earnings in like a high yield savings. And I think the highest one that I have is like just over 5%, but really that 5%, that's taxable right there. In reality, it's I'm only keeping, I'm only making 3%, but it's not producing. You could produce something that would kick out 30% returns if it gets injected into the company.
1: Yeah. And it's just, we're having some upgrades done to our HVAC system. We are adding a little shed behind the building to be able to do some outside storage of some other stuff that we use just for maintenance of our The exterior of our building, lawnmowers and things, just have a locking metal shed outside. We can store those in because currently they're all parked inside the building. And that just means that that's production space. That's heated and AC space that we could be using. And right now we're just storing things in it that don't need to be stored in it. Yeah, that's revenue potential. Yeah. And all those little changes, right now our front office always gets really cold. It's just the way that the HVA system was gradually built into the, the office was added on after the main building was built. And they just scabbed it into the existing HVAC system. Not optimally laid out, not properly sized lines for airflow. And just the front end of the office just never warms up all the way. The shop, Mm -hmm. toasty. You go to the other end of the office and it's just always cold. Interesting. And that's where our lunchroom is. So we have to run a space heater in the lunchroom. Oh, geez. It's really (laughs) cold. And I'm like, you know what? Let's just fix this. Let's have the HVAC guys come in, the service company we use, and have them evaluate the entire duct system that's up in the sort of crawl space the little attic space above the office, and let's fix it. Let's just fix it. Mm -hmm. Let's find out what it's going to take to reroute it and change where the ductwork connects and change out the system so we can differentially force more of the heated air into that front space because the shop floor with all the lights and the machinery and everything, it gets warm and it stays warm. It doesn't have a problem. The office has basically no heat producing anything in it. And if it's getting only the trickle of leftover warm air after the bulk of it gets pumped out into the shop floor. We'll be running a space heater there forever. Yep. So, those kinds of immediate quality of life improvements that are also an investment in the overall building and increase its value and utility. I'm totally into spending cash on those rather than just parking that cash and sitting on it. Yeah. Yeah. I love the end
0: of year approaches to normal outside of your regular cash flow. Like some, we used to see like spikes in December and it's a fickle month, I guess you could say. But at the end of the year, quality of life improvements are fantastic because it sets the tone for the next year. If you plan it in December, buy it in December, it may show up in December, or you at least are using it in January or February.
1: It sets a nice growth tone for the next year. I I like that approach. Yeah. Come into January with a bunch of new stuff and new improvements and upgrades that you've made and say, okay. Now we're going to take this out on the road and drive it. Yeah. There you That's go. really gratifying. Yeah. So love it. I'm looking forward to Christmas break. That's a few weeks away still, obviously. And how do you guys think about your shipping deadlines leading up to Christmas? Obviously, you know, it's the worst time of year for reliability of shipping carriers because the package volume is so high that just like any other process, you stress test it and the wheels can come off. Sure. And it seems like this time of year the wheels start coming off UPS and FedEx and US Postal. We've had more emails in the past two weeks about customers not receiving orders on time, things getting lost or misdirected, and it's just that time of year. Yeah. But Mm -hmm. we normally tell customers that if you want something by Christmas, we recommend ordering it 10 days before you need it.
0: Yeah. We don't really have people necessarily purchasing for
1: a company Christmas gifts. You know, it's not- You're stocking a mod vice. A Rotovice? Yeah. <laughs> A Jurgens? What is this? Like all the various things. Yeah. What do you have in there? Yeah. For Christmas, I gave every, all, every one of my kids their own set of Miditoyo zero to one inch micrometers, quantum mics, quantum mics. <laughs> yeah. So we don't necessarily have that
0: problem. So the thing that gets us, which is like reduced, I dare I say mitigated over the years, again, with pursuing lean principles that lead to freedom, is using local vendors. So one of them would be transportation. So transportation, we used to buy all of our fasteners from a great company, always had everything in stock, same day shipping, but they were out of Chicago. Chicago's three or four days via UPS ground. What we were finding out is like, what the heck? We're, we're in shorts and there's an inclement weather delay. <laughs> what is that? So it got stuck somewhere in the Midwest, Nebraska-ish. And we started shifting our purchasing to local suppliers and it's really changed. We we don't have that many shipping issues. UPS in our area, because we're an industrial area, we have the largest UPS truck. And then if that gets filled up, they'll throw a trailer onto it, high volume. For us, many, let's see, one, two, three shops ago, my stop was at the end of the driver's commercial route. He'd show up to a cart of parts and he'd be like, Jay, I don't know if I could tell you this. I literally have no room. And he's like cramming boxes into nooks and crannies. Now we just by chance, the last two places that we've been, we're literally the first company on his route. So it's, an nice. em- it's a light truck. It's an empty truck. We've never had issues. So there's a lot of blessings right there that we've experienced that are not common to most people. Yeah. So we, I, it's not something that
1: I put a lot of thought or work into. It's just streamlined. Yeah. Just... We publish on our website, we're going to be putting it up this coming week. Our last day of shipping for the year is going to be this day. And if you're trying to get something in hand by Christmas, we recommend ordering no later than this earlier previous date. But we close the shop for the week between Christmas and New Year's. Everybody in the shop has uh, a week off and that's really nice. Everybody takes a break, spends time with their families, gets a, a little bit of a refresh and a reset. And then we come into January, hopefully all geared up to rock and roll. Now, wait,
0: I'm curious about that because I know a lot of companies do that. So this year, it'll be a Tuesday through a Friday. Come back on Monday, that'll be January 1st. So you'll go in on Tuesday. So essentially five days off, five non-working days. How do you do that? Do people take PTO? Do you not pay? That's a,
1: that's a company holiday. It's paid.
0: What about the week though? No, the week, the whole week is paid oh, for everything. Oh, you paid. Yeah,
1: okay. Yep. All right. So you have five yep. business pays that you, days that you just pay out. Yep. Okay. And that doesn't impact anybody's PTO time. It's yeah. That's company holiday time. And And do orders trickle in? Do you go yes, in or- and do some shipping? So it depends. Sometimes I'm traveling that week. It varies year by year. If I can sneak into the shop and ship some orders here and there, I do. We just don't want to make any promises to the customer that things will move that week if the shop is officially closed and the staff's not coming in. Because as the owner of all the things I could be doing, running into ship onesie twosie things here and there while it's gratifying and it might make that customer's day is not ultimately the best use of my available energy during that week of rest.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Right. There you go. It depends. It depends on the need. If There certainly could be circumstances. If we had an order come in from from a police department and it was time sensitive and they needed stuff right away, yeah, we would find a way to get somebody in on a closed day, pull that inventory, package it up and ship it. We're willing to work with our customers. Yeah, It's not a shut the doors, chain the gates, nobody gets in here kind of thing. But That's interesting. I've played with the idea over the
0: years of closing for that last week, but every year it's just, it's business as usual. It's, we don't really see a dip in sales call volumes about the same we have some packages that don't get delivered because our customers are not there it's a little bit lighter i would say we're you know operating at probably 75 percent capacity yeah but it's still significant we w- it would hurt coming back january 2nd to a week of zero productivity
1: yeah so for us we are going to come back to a pretty stacked first week of January, because we will definitely have had, even if orders just proceed as usual, normal volume for that week, we're going to come back to a very busy January. That is, from now till the end of December, we're going to be getting all of our inventory levels built back up. So when we come back in January, we're not under the gun on production. We just have to catch up on shipping. Yeah. And then it'll just be ship, 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 ship. Yeah. Till the shipping is done. Good stuff. It's great.